Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of October 8th, 2020, including... ZeniMax Online Studios are hard at work on a new game and engine. Phil Spencer talks 8K Xbox gaming and xCloud on console. This podcast's audience seems to be very nostalgic for Crystal Pepsi and more. As I've mentioned on the podcast before in the past, I don't normally really fixate on analytics or anything or how the show's performing because I I don't really want that to be the focus. I I didn't start an Xbox podcast because I thought, you know, maybe one day I'd grow the show big enough to where I could ask all of you to support me on Patreon and and then quit my day job. I I started this podcast just because I have a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about the Xbox brand and have always just been really interested in the games industry and I wanted an outlet to kind of talk about that and express that part of me. So I just started a podcast about it. Really, that's that's the only reason. So it, it's nice to check the analytics every now and then just to see, you know, because it's, it's, it's humbling. It's, it's encouraging to see that people are out there listening. But I don't usually check. So I was having my maybe once every three month routine check on my on my spot on my Spotify analytics today and I realized that like if you get really nitty-gritty into the metrics it shows you things like only this much of your audience makes it to this point in the episode it just it just tells you so much information that I don't care about or I would never think to want to know about you know it's just like I just want to know how many people listen to the fucking show it tells you like how many people clicked on it and then didn't stick around for more than 60 seconds like all the kind of really insulting shit you don't want to know but it has all that there so I was kind of digging through that and I noticed that Really, the data shows week over week that for the most part, only about 25% of the listeners of the show make it to the last third of every episode each week, which is just like, like I'm scratching my head here because that's like when we talk about Xbox. So, you know, no, anyone who's listened to the show more than once knows it's, it's, a, it's a little opening bullshit, then it's a bunch of pot, a bunch of comment bullshit, then it's a couple comments actually related to Xbox. It's a detour into some more food talk or other bullshit, and then we get into Xbox news somewhere at the end of all that. So I just don't understand, like, do I have some secret dedicated listenership that's just really hardcore into, like, all the Mountain Dew and food talk, and then they just bounce the second I start talking about Xbox? Like, is this a a thing I just wasn't aware of, or... I don't know what's happening. I just I feel bad for the listeners who are like, oh yeah, I'm really looking for a solid Xbox podcast. Like, oh, I found the Xbox on. What's this? Okay, he seems like he posts pretty regularly. I'm looking for a show that's consistent. Okay, I'll give it a try. Play and they and they listen to like 50 to 75 percent of me just talking about Mountain Dew and IHOP versus Denny's uh, for for like you know all this time. And then they're just like, yeah, it's a pretty good show. I'm gonna stop right there. It looks like he's he's about to start talking about. Uh, Halo Infinite or Xbox Series X or some shit. I don't. I don't need to hear about that. That's that's enough Xbox podcast for a day. I think I'm good with this guy's show. Like, I just you're free to do what you want. Listen, if you listen to any, if you even click on the show and then and then give about to thirty seconds, I, I don't care. I'm just grateful that you even gave me that much of a chance. But honestly, I just find it insane that apparently some people out there are just are just here for the fast food ban. 
banter. And then uh, the Xbox stuff, not so much. But nonetheless, that's uh, just something I wanted to share with you guys. Now, another thing before we jump into our comments this week, as we really near, and, I, and I've, I've been thinking about this on and off a, lo- a lot lately, actually, just we're nearing the very tail end of the Xbox One generation. I know, I know this generation isn't as much of a hard cutoff as before because Microsoft is transitioning to this whole, like, as long as your hardware is powerful enough to, to play the games that people are making, you can technically play any Xbox you want. So I know it's not like, you know, you can't play new games on, on your Xbox one X or whatever you have. You gotta, it kind of, there's a more fluid nature here, but it's still, you know, for the most of us, especially for the Xbox enthusiasts, there is kind of a hard cutoff because I mean, you got to think if you're, if you're like a hardcore Xbox fan, you're not, you're not like thinking so much about hanging on to your day one Xbox one when the Series X comes out, you're, you're thinking of upgrading. So in a lot of ways, and in, in just in terms of like the industry itself and the talk of like the, the fan base, it really is like kind of the end of the Xbox One era. And that's a really sad realization for me because Xbox One, despite, you know, being the least beloved Xbox console generation by far, it seems, is, is one that resonates with me and holds a really special place in my heart. So this is going to be kind of just a big, I don't know, moment for me to just witness us kind of transition away from Xbox One and then towards the Xbox Series family of consoles. So I just, I keep thinking about this and I want to do some things on the show to celebrate the Xbox One. It's a, it's just a, it's a family of consoles. It's a console generation that just really means a lot to me. It was, it was like my best friend throughout my college years and all this stuff. And I, I just associated with like this, this big gap of like from around the time I graduated high school to after the time I graduated college and moved out. So it's just, it's been a, it's been a big part of my life during some very important years. And so I want to try and pay some tribute to the Xbox one as much as I can as we head into these final, what is it like five weeks before the Xbox series X comes out. So I figured, uh, I'll try to sprinkle in some segments to do that. And so what I was thinking is on weeks where we have, you know, slower news weeks, which is spoiler alert, this news week. And I assume we'll have a few more in the coming weeks because we're kind of getting to that calm before the storm. Now that we have all the information, all the pre-orders, and we're just kind of waiting for that November 10th date. So I, I assume we'll have a few more slow weeks ahead of us. And what I'd like to do is, um, sprinkle in some segments or some kind of fun uh, audience in, involved topics about Xbox One, and so let me let me quit being vague. So here here's the first one I have. It's n- nothing too creative. You probably heard this kind of thing on a million podcasts before. Um, but what I want to do uh, for our next show where we have a slow news week. So if it's next week, it'll be next week. If it, if we have a busy news week next week, we'll do the week after that. You know, whenever the opportunity is available, I want to do a. Uh, a segment where we talk about the top five best Xbox One console exclusives of the generation, or just, you know, exclusives that can be on PC, obviously. Um, so the reason why I'm not doing it this week is because I want your feedback from the audience. So uh, if you want to participate in this, please feel free to go over to YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is Second Best Gaming. That's where I upload the podcast uh, in YouTube form. You'll see, obviously, second or Xbox on once you click on my channel. It's the majority of the videos on the channel. So, yeah, second best gaming. And then you can just leave a comment on this week's show um, with your top five favorite Xbox exclusives of the Xbox One era. And so I, I don't know if that needs any clarification, but just so we are clear, um, obviously nothing multi-platform. Um, so if it's something like Call of Duty, that's, that doesn't count. That's a game that you can buy on PlayStation. If it's something like Quantum Break, 
which is also on PC, but it's console exclusive to Xbox. Obviously, that counts. That's an Xbox exclusive. And if it's something that's kind of in a gray area, like it, uh, if it's something kind of like in a gray area, like like Rise of the Tomb Raider, which was a timed exclusive on Xbox, but then eventually made its way to PlayStation, uh, that does not count either. So I'm talking about, you know, obviously like your Halos, your Gears of Wars, your Sunset Overdrives, th- those kinds of games. So um, just, yeah, if you if you want to participate, compile your top five, rank them uh, with one being the best and five being uh, really great, but not the best. Uh, and just uh, leave that leave a comment. And then next time we have a slow news week, we'll do that segment. I'll, I'll include mine and I'll read some of yours and we can kind of just reminisce and go over um, some of the really awesome games that came out over this past generation um, that were particularly exclusive to or relegated to the Xbox ecosystem. So I think that'll be a lot of fun and it'll be a nice little trip down memory lane as we prepare to send off our little Xbox ones that tried so hard to hold our attention to captivate us and excite us, but ultimately got drowned out in the noise of people just constantly shitting on Xbox because that's a lot of what happened this, ge- this past generation. But from my experience and from my perspective, that, that wasn't, that wasn't at least how I experienced Xbox these past seven years or so since 2013 i've i've enjoyed the hell out of xbox these past or this past generation and i want to celebrate that in some way so that's what we'll do next time we we can like i said it might be next week might be the week after that just depends whenever we have another slow news week um so with that said let's jump into our comments of the week guys uh of course as always i've I've got kind of structured here we'll get into some xbox related questions but first we gotta sift through some bullshit so our first comment here comes from ea's king 117 who writes in and says i don't know the difference between coke and pepsi please clarify i went back and forth on as to like uh, on whether or not i was going to include this question I, i couldn't tell if it was a joke or not but actually, even if you aren't joking, even if this is, I don't care if you're dead serious or if this is a joke, we're just going to include it anyway, because I, I'm not here to berate you, okay? Like, cu- calm down. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to kick you off the podcast, but all you need to know about the difference between Coke and Pepsi is they're both, they're both products that lead to diabetes. One is diabetes that's worth it, and the other is Coca-Cola. And there's a time and place for both of them. Um, but Pepsi is superior in every way, shape, or form, and much in the way that people feel need to identify with a console brand like Xbox or PlayStation, this is mine, the other one sucks, uh, I think people feel a similar way about soda brands, and so Coke or Pepsi is very much an analog to Xbox versus PlayStation, so I'm not saying that you can't like both or you can't uh, have a personal favorite and respect someone else if they like the opposite of the one you like, but I am saying that Pepsi is... Xbox and Coke is PlayStation. So if you tell me you like Coke better than PlayStation, uh, you're you're a pony and you love Last of Us Part Two, and uh, you're gonna get canceled and exposed. And I'm probably gonna write a letter home to your mother. She'll probably spank you, disown you, and then uh, that's just that. So make sure you align with Pepsi. I don't know like if that clarifies what these are. Uh, I don't really care. Just know that the answer is Pepsi. Now our next comment here comes from Badass Lord Tipsy, who says Crystal Clear Pepsi. And then there's a heart emoji. I concur. Our next comment here comes from Grant Mundy, who says, Hey, it's, it's Geezy Jeezy. I, I changed my name. Thank God. Now, now I don't have to feel so bad about butchering it. And you say, Just to confirm, Pepsi destroys Coke. There's no discussion needed. Here's a question for the next podcast. Which of the new games coming out around the Xbox Series X launch are you going to play first? Keep well. Thanks for writing in, Grant. Um, 
this is a this is a loaded question, or this is a multifaceted question, or, and unrelated. This is a this these are multiple questions. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm just making a statement. You you wrote in with multiple statements, questions, things to read on the air, and uh, let's let's address the the most important one here. You talk about Pepsi absolutely destroys Coke. I got to be honest with you guys, and and we got another comment about Pepsi after this one before we're done with the soda questions, but my heart is full and warmed just knowing that for whatever i mean maybe maybe the mass audience prefers coke but of the people who chose to write into the show it seems like an overwhelming majority of you guys prefer pepsi and pepsi products to coke and coke products which is really shocking to me actually because i maybe this is just because i'm from atlanta georgia home of coca-cola but my whole life it's always seemed like it's like an 80 20 thing where like 80% of people are like hardcore like fuck you coca-cola or die so i'm not used to people being like oh yeah i agree with that pepsi's pretty good and so this is surprising to me to see how many people are coming out in defense of pepsi and to back up my claim that pepsi is better than coke so i i appreciate that comment um and i don't know i'd say destroys coke again you know there's a time and place for coke i i i can i can enjoy a nice coca-cola but I'm just not going to go out of my way for Coke the way I would a Pepsi. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I appreciate you writing in there. Uh, now, he, here's what you say. You say, here's the question for the podcast. What, Which of the new games coming around out around the Series X launch will you play first? So th- I think someone wrote in with this recently, and I answered it, but or I tried to answer it. But this is kind of a hard one for me to really address because, obviously, the, the big – the big bummer, if you even want to call it that, is that Halo Infinite was was delayed. And now that we're kind of far removed from the announcement of that delay, I'm not bummed out at all because <laughs> there's just so much shit to play this fall as there is every fall that I'll, I'll take some extra time, you know, between now and Halo Infinite. One, because it gives me more time to just enjoy Halo 5 as, like, the mainstay Halo before that inevitably just gets squashed and neglected. Uh, as a result of no longer being the most current, you know, recent Halo game. Um, but also because there's just a bunch of other shit I want to play. And if there's a new Halo game on the market, it's going to dominate so much of my attention that everything else is going to get pushed to the wayside. And I'm really excited about playing games like Yakuza Like a Dragon, Dragon and Cyberpunk 2077 uh, and the like that. I, I'm excited that now there's more time for me to spread my attention to these various uh, holiday releases as opposed to just being like 100% all in Halo Infinite fuck everything else so with that said I I mean obviously Cyberpunk and Yakuza are are two games I'm looking forward to this is a maybe a controversial thing to say I I don't think I mentioned this last time but fuck it I'm just gonna speak my mind as of this moment and it it changes from day to day but as of this moment the most my most anticipated fall release is actually uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales on PlayStation. Now, I'm not buying a PS5 at launch. I, I have no interest in doing that. I'm going to do what I did with the PS4 and wait a couple of years till I can get it you know, cheaper or till there's a slim model that doesn't take up all the space on my entertainment system center. But I'm, uh, I'm really very much looking forward to Spider-Man Miles Morales. I think it looks great. I loved uh, I loved the Spider-Man universe that Insomniac built. As as you may know, Insomniac's one of my all-time favorite game developers. So anytime they're working on something new, I'm I'm excited. Uh, and unfortunately, now that they are Sony owned, well, fortunate for the team at Insomniac is that's a that's a great you know it's a great that's a great job security and a lot of money that that they came into becoming part of the Sony family. Unfortunately for us, that means no more, no more sunset overdrive, no more possibility of more insomnia games coming to Xbox. Uh, but the good news is, uh, you know, 
Insomniac's been making great games on PlayStation for years and years, and that new Ratchet and Clank game looks awesome, and this new Spider-Man looks awesome, and I'm really excited about it. So I'm definitely going to be picking that up and playing it on my PS4 this November. So that's probably the thing I'm actually looking forward to the most, just in terms of like a specific game. Now, I'm super stoked about, especially now that like the pre-order's locked in, we got the date, we're just waiting. I'm, I'm extremely excited about the Xbox Series X, the console, coming out. Um, but there's nothing like particular, like this is the game that's going to define my launch Xbox Series X experience. Uh, I, I, I haven't found that game. I'm excited for Cyberpunk, which isn't going to get its Xbox Series X update for a while. I'm excited for I'm excited for Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, I'm excited for The Ascent, that kind of like top down twin stick shooter RPG game um, that was teased at the May Xbox event. Um, it's still supposed to come out sometime this year, so I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in that game. I really want to check that out. Um, Scarlet Nexus is a game I'm really excited about, but I, I think that's pretty much confirmed to be a vaguely 2021 game, so that's not coming out around launch. Um, I've been debating whether or not I'm going to get the new Call of Duty. I feel like, you know, Call of Duty is a thing, as I've said before, I like to get one every couple of years. Uh, I got one last year, and I, I liked Modern Warfare, but I'm kind of interested in the new Black Ops because I think the Zombies mode looks pretty good. But my concern is that I'm not going to give a shit about any of the other multiplayer outside of Zombies, and I might not like the campaign. So I might wait on it and see what the reaction is before I get it. Uh, or before I decide to get it, but you know, I'm, I'm excited, I'm interested and curious to see what a Call of Duty campaign looks like with Raven at the helm. Um, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about that. That's like that's a maybe uh, for me, but I don't know. Those are the games that come to mind. That's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna play that. But right now, I'm so distracted in terms of like figuring out what I want to play because I'm I'm simultaneously in a mood where like I'm just having one of those moods where like every game sounds good, which is rare. So like. I, you could throw any game in my face right now, and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's play that today. Um, so I'm having a hard time focusing on one specific game. But also, I'm I'm in my typical October mode where I'm like, everything I have to play has to be in the Halloween spirit. So I'm trying to play through games that evoke Halloween themes or feelings in some way, shape, or form. So right now, I can't I can't think about anything else. I, I really want to get to Yakuza Kiwami 2 and beat that before Xbox Series X and Yakuza Like a Dragon come, comes out, but I can't find time for that because right now I'm just trying to get through all these. I'm trying to dedicate my gaming time to Halloween-related things. It's a it's a very stressful first first world issue that I'm I'm I've encountered here, and I hope Grant, I hope you can understand my dilemma and my uh, hectic gaming schedule and my uh, just kind of being all over the place at, with where I where I'm playing on playing. But let me know what what, what launch game or launch air window esque games are you looking forward to playing on your Xbox Series X when you get it uh, next month? That's a it's a good question. Uh, next up, and let's round out with these. Uh, let's let's get out of these soda questions. Count Scotula says Crystal Pepsi ellipses. The commercials got me so hyped, but it wasn't being sold in my area. Went on vacation and had my parents take me on a special trip uh, to the store just for Crystal Pepsi. I was so pumped when the, when we tracked it down. I remember my dad pouring Crystal Pepsi shots for everyone in the family for a taste. Everyone was utterly underwhelmed and disappointed. But that's a Pepsi pastime, quote unquote. I'll never forget. Xbox still needs to show way more Series X gameplay. What's the holdup? Maybe they have to wait for AMD to announcements for some reason. This one is a head-scratcher for me. So two two obviously very different points being made here, but I appreciate that anecdote. I, I really love stories like that because as I shared with my, my Mountain Dew Livewire story the other week about you know whenever I travel to Florida having to get a, a Mountain Dew Livewire because we didn't have them back home in Georgia, 
And uh, it, your story reminds me of a similar thing, and that's that's a common problem with Pepsi's. They're very region specific with a lot of special flavors, where they're like, yeah, we're just gonna really favor people who live in this part of the country and give them this new limited edition flavor, and then people who live in this part of the country can uh, go and suck an egg, and and that's a very Pepsi thing to do. Um, so I, I I relate to that feeling of like, oh shit, I want to try this new flavor, but. I can't get it anywhere in my area and and that kind of anxiety. But I think that makes it even more special where it's like, oh, you went out of town, you were in a new place, kind of having a new trip, having that, that, that experience of a vacation or a trip or whatever. And within that whole experience, you were able to have that special, you know, encounter with, with Crystal Pepsi. Sorry to hear you guys weren't, weren't quite impressed with it, but uh, I don't know. I, I think Crystal Pepsi was pretty damn good, but I still think it's a cool story nonetheless. Now, as for your actual Xbox-related question, you say uh, Xbox still needs to show more gameplay. I, I don't know, man. I I don't know what there is to show with gameplay. This is the weird thing. Is like I was really apprehensive about whether or not Microsoft had the big guns this holiday with the Series X. It seemed like they had everything so locked down and in place with how they're going to market this thing, how they're going to get people pumped about it, and how they're going to use this new console launch cycle as a way to get people like hyped on Xbox again. And it's like the second Halo Infinite got delayed, I'm like, ah, now they're missing the key component. And I've kind of backed, I've kind of like retreaded some of that, that thinking and, and, and come to the conclusion that I don't, I don't know if you can have an absurdly successful console launch without having games to support your new hardware. But I think Xbox is about to, answer that that question if, if it's a question that's on your mind if if there's any doubt as to whether or not someone can win audiences over and have a super successful out the gate like new hardware generation launch um, without really talking about specific games for that hardware or without having a killer app i think microsoft's about to to find out the answer to that because we're not getting halo infinite this this holiday season which is so funny but we are oh my god shut up phone but we are getting the console and everyone seems super hyped on xbox i think in fact i mean if just anecdotal inter- internet conversation is anything to go off of it seems like the tides are even like turning a little bit in xbox's favor now i'm still very confident that playstation 5 is going to kick xbox's ass in terms of console sales this generation but i think it's going to be a much more fair and even fight this this go around um, at least in terms of like game circles, it just seems like people are a lot less hard on Xbox right now and a lot more optimistic about this upcoming generation. And that's, that's really exciting. So I, I don't know. I, I guess that's, it sounds like I'm getting away from your question and I am a little bit, but I guess what I'm trying to say is without really showing gameplay, they've still got people super pumped about this console and eating out of the palm of their hands. And I think one thing they're doing right now, that's kind of more important than gameplay because there is no Halo Infinite. There is no specific killer app. I think is that the fact that they're giving the box out to all these media people and influencers and everything you keep seeing on the internet, pretty much anyone who's anyone in the Xbox community uh, has an Xbox Series X in their possession now. So I think that's almost a more important thing is, especially in this age of like influencers and, and people just, you know, taking taking YouTuber and bloggers words for it more than than the direct source or like traditional media. I think that that goes a long way in hyping people for hardware is saying, you know, having having these YouTubers be like, oh, look, we got the new Xbox Series X. Look how fast it is. Look how awesome these features are. And I think that's getting people a lot more hyped about the console than the actual games. And I mean, we can we can go down this this conversation topic forever with my whole theory about, you know, as as Xbox 
moves out of the traditional console generation mindset and moves more into this fluid system of Xbox is Xbox. Every version of the console, every console plays the same game. Some play it better than others. And you can kind of fluidly jump between platforms, whether it's streaming PC, different versions of Xbox hardware, whatever you can, you can enjoy our games. This is just our platform. So again, if you think of Xbox series X and S more so as like a graphics card coming out and less of like a new generation of console gaming coming out, then I think it stands to reason more that we don't have to fixate so much on your new exclusive games and we can focus more on just like, hey, you're going to play whatever games you're going to play anyway. We're trying to sell you on a new piece of hardware to play these games, especially, you know, where we live in the in a time where we live in this world of uh, games as a service where like there are, are fewer people who are like, I just play all the new shit as it comes out. And there are more people who are like, I just play Minecraft. I just play Fortnite. I just play Battle Royale this or that. I just play Destiny. These kinds of people, they don't need to be sold on a new game so much as they need to be sold on like, wow, this is the new platform with the new fast loading and the new performance specs that I really, really like. And it's going to run the games I already play way better. And I think for a lot of people, that's the system seller. So I agree. I'd like to see more gameplay. I don't know what the holdup is. Maybe there is something to your AMD announcements things. I, I wouldn't know. Um, but I don't know. I just, I think for the most part, especially as we, as we close in on the launch, when you compare to like Sony's just relatively quiet approach to PS5, I think Microsoft is really killing it with the lead up to launch on the series X. They're just really hammering down on like, Hey, this thing's awesome. It's powerful. It's fast. Don't believe us. Here's a copy of it for everyone you trust. They'll tell you for themselves. And I think they're just being really talkative and, and, and hypey about all the right things. So, I mean, we'll see. If, if the console ends up being not super exciting, we'll know because we'll get in our hands and we'll be like, oh, Microsoft overhyped us and this is a huge letdown. Maybe, that, maybe that's the case. I don't think so. But, but yeah, I mean, this is um, – I just – I don't know. I, I think without – especially without Halo in the picture, there's no real reason to – focus on a specific game there's more reasons focus on specific features like smart delivery and quick resume and things like that and i think that's why we see the focus on those those features rather than specific games but i don't know let's let's jump into a couple questions we have here about our denny's versus ihop now last week i asked you guys where do you stand are you a denny's person or an ihop person and we got some really thoughtful responses so i just wanted to read through a couple of them thank you guys so much for writing in about this you know these are the kinds of things I care about much more than the Xbox. So, so starting out, we got Mr. Sarugi one who comments in and says, thanks for the shout out, man. It's surreal hearing my comments being spoken about on the podcast. And I love the reminiscing about the good old days of Pepsi. Also, I hope your neck slash back pain is getting better. Nothing worse than having to deal with that crap. Thank you, Sarugi. What a great guy. I, I, I always love reading your comments. So I appreciate you writing in and participating in the show. Um, but you, you say you get into the meat of the topic here. You say Denny's isn't in Australia. It was back in the early 80s, but the company that owned it shifted focus to other avenues, so it was shuttered and sold. IHOP is still here, but certainly not in the same capacity as it is in the States. So it's IHOP for me. I mean, it's a house of pancakes. What's not to love, right? So, you know, that, that last statement there, it's a house of pancakes, what's not to love, reminds me of, you know, OG Xbox On listeners might remember. There was a, there was a debate in the early Xbox On days about waffles versus pancakes, and that was a that was a conversation that seemed to go on. It seemed like it went on for well over a month. That was a very long conversation that people were very much heated about the the waffles versus pancakes debate. I don't know if that was like early 2020 or sometime 
last fall, but it, it's been a while. But that was a that was a big point of contention for a while before there ever was a tacos versus burritos argument or anything like that to be had. So nice little callback. I don't know if that was intentional, but it, that did remind me of that old uh, that old argument or that old discussion that was had for just a very long period of time. But anyway. I, I don't know. I appreciate this comment just because it's really interesting to know that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm weird. I, f- I find things like that interesting. Um, but I'm sorry to hear that you no longer have access to Denny's being in Australia. Um, I would like to say you're always welcome to come here if you need to ha- if you need your your Grand Slam fix. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry that you know you're limited to just IHOP, but I'm glad that you are satisfied with IHOP. I'm glad that you still have access to IHOP, even if it is less uh, prevalent than it is here in the U.S. But I, I appreciate you writing in. I I tried to look it up to see if Denny's or IHOP were international brands, and I didn't see anything from like Wikipedia on, on either of those brands. So I'm glad you wrote that in because I, I was kind of convinced that they were both maybe just like North America brands and that's it. But glad to know that uh, both of these diner chains have have further more international reach uh, than I suspected so that more people either were or currently are able to appreciate and enjoy these uh, the wonderful the wonderful diner options uh, that both of these brands have now OG man man comes in and, and, and weighs in and says also I'm offended you didn't give us Waffle House as an option to IHOP and Denny's someone cancel this man's podcast. Uh, okay, well, first of all, if you want to cancel the podcast, fine by me. In fact, I just want everyone to know we're going to cancel Xbox on right now, and it's going to be OG Man's problem. It's his fault. If you take issue with this, go after him, not me. He's the one who called for the cancellation. I'm just doing as I'm told. So there we go. Show's over. Canceled. Goodbye. 70 episodes down the drain. Thanks for your support. All right, and we're back with the reboot of Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox On. I want to jump in with our first episode of the reboot podcast, reading a comment from Mr. OG Manman, who says, I'm also offended you didn't give us Waffle House as an option to IHOP or Denny's. Now, OG Man, I love Waffle House. There's a big soft spot in my heart for Waffle House. I, I don't mean to keep always bringing up and hammering home the fact that I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, but... Again, Waffle House, another Georgia staple. It's a, it's founded in Georgia. It's one of the few things that we can cling on to and be proud of is that Waffle House is that we are the home state of Waffle House. So, listen, I'm from a place where everywhere you look, there's a Waffle House. On like literally, like it's like convenience stores. It's like you can look, you can look down a major road and you'll see a Waffle House on the left, and then across from it on the other side of the light is a waffle house. I'm not even joking where I grew up near, near like the high school that a lot of my friends went to. There was a road where there was a heist. There, there was a waffle house on one side of the road. And then on the other side of the road down like a hundred yards, there's another fucking waffle house. Like literally like not even like maybe a quarter mile apart from each other, just two waffle houses. It's like more egregious than the way you see Starbucks everywhere, more egregious than the way you see like particular brands of convenience stores placed everywhere. It's this is, this is worse than like here where I live now in Florida. Like we got Seven Eleven on every fucking corner back home in Georgia. That was waffle house. It was just everywhere. So yes, I'm very familiar with waffle house. I've had a lot of experiences with waffle house, but from my understanding, waffle house is a very Southeast United States specific thing. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to ostracize too much of the audience. 
Um, so I picked some more like at least nationally recognized brands, and that's why we went with just IHOP and Denny's. My, my understanding is that Waffle House has been expanding quite dramatically over the past 10, 20 years, but I, I just I wasn't certain that many people would know Waffle House. Also, I think Waffle House is kind of in a different league. Or, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of different from IHOP and Denny's. IHOP and Denny's are, like, super chain, like, medium-sized restaurants that have, like, a very, like, kind of commercial appeal. Whereas there's something with Waffle House that, like, yes, it is corporate and it's chained and it's everywhere and it's ubiquitous, especially here in the southeast. But it's it doesn't have that, like, clean corporate restaurant kind of thing to it that IHOP and Denny's has. Waffle House seems more like something like... I don't know some some like a uh, some like dude just parked a trailer one one time and hung up a a U-Haul sign and then wrote Waffle House over it and was like yeah this is a restaurant now you know it's just like over time this guy's trailer became a, a diner or something I don't know there's just something about Waffle House where it's so distinctively like shitty and low quality and like crappy that it just it's kind of in its own like category of like probably gives you AIDS just for eating there kind of tier of diner and and i don't mean that to insult waffle house i love waffle house listen to me i've been to plenty of rock concerts in my life that ended with a a nice meal at waffle house at 1 a.m so like i i mean no disrespect to waffle house it's just not it's not really the same thing i understand that you can go to waffle house and get similar items you can get waffles and eggs and bacon and breakfast food and sandwiches and if you really hate yourself you can even get a steak there which i don't recommend but you know at the end of the day i hop Waffle House, you know, IHOP's where you go to eat a meal where the server appears like a nice, clean, friendly person who who wants to make sure you have a great meal and then sneaks out to the back to have a smoke. Uh, whereas Waffle House is like the restaurant where, like, you roll up at 2 a.m. and the server and the chef are just out there, like, smoking, like, wiping their dirty hands on their aprons that they haven't washed in three weeks. And then they see you coming in, so they, like, flick their half-smoked cigarette onto the ground and go, all right, what do you want before you even get inside the restaurant? And then, like, you, you just know they haven't washed their hands before they feed you that, like, undercooked, greasy bacon shit. Like, that's that's Waffle House. And that's that's part of its own unique charm and appeal. But it's just different from, from IHOP. So I appreciate you shouting out the Waffle House. Not to be too down on it, but it's, you know, it's a special restaurant for me. And I'm glad you mentioned it. But I just don't think it's quite the same I'd put Waffle House against something more like a Huddle House. You know, it's a, it's a different thing. Um, IHOP and Denny's, they have a little bit more of like a clean, sterile, kind of typical American chain restaurant thing to it. You know, Denny's is like trying to look like a local diner, whereas like Waffle House looks like, a, like it just is like a local diner. So it's kind of different. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, we got we got to move into some stuff about video games, I think. You know, we got we gotta we can't just appeal to the seventy five percent of you that are here for the soda and fast food talk. At some point, we got to take care of the of the twenty five percent that actually want to hear the Xbox news. So, uh, Count Scotula, let, let's start a new topic. We're we're going to discuss a little bit about that CD Projekt Red uh, story from last week about the crunch crunch environment and all that. Now, a couple of you guys wrote in about this uh, about this topic with some personal stories about you know you and your respective workforces uh, crunch related experiences, and I, I appreciate some of these anecdotes. So I just wanted to read a couple of them. So Count Scatula says, "So I'm a web slash SaaS developer. I don't I don't speak nerd. Uh, you say I've been I've been writing code professionally for over a decade. I have crunch before every major." 
major release of the cloud service I work on. I've worked on every type of project, websites, apps, small games, cloud services, enterprise software, etc. It's not a big deal. It's a couple of times a year and I have to work 60 to 80 hour work weeks. Uh, the rest of the time I have ultra flexible hours, awesome office perks and benefits and get to be in a fun work environment. My best work comes in during crunch hours and that final release is always sweet and satisfying. Some projects are mishandled and the crunch goes on way too long, but in general, a month of crunch on a multi-year project is just the way it works. Sorry for all the comments. Lots of good stuff this week. I appreciate that comment actually a lot, Skyla, because I think that uh, I think that kind of succinctly wraps up exactly what I was trying to get you know, conveyed last week when I was just ranting on and on about how what a non-issue this crunch thing is for CD Projekt Red. And I was actually listening to another po- a podcast. I, I told you guys how I'm a huge fan of Colin Moriarty and his, his, his Sacred Symbols PlayStation podcast, which this show is actually largely inspired by, or at least the format of it is. Um, and he was kind of just going on and on about it. And he did some like back end work and he found basically like the median income <laughs> for like the average, like, you know, Polish uh, dweller is something like five thousand five six thousand us dollars basically you know when you you know count in like everything from like the farmer to like the the techie guy whatever and and was basically just talking about how like the guys at cd project red just make so much fucking money and that these bonuses and things like sometimes are upwards of fifty sixty thousand dollars and it's just when when you really take into account like the way these developers who work at cd project red are being compensated versus you know what's being ta- what they're being tasked with which is like what like five or six extra Saturdays of work before the game comes out it's just like not even remotely an issue like this is this is people who are like glad to, for the most part glad to get these crunch days and cl- crunch hours like put in in order in an effort to get this get this project out the door and into the hands of the consumer so I, I I appreciate your anecdote because it reminds me a lot of you know what Colin was saying and then just in general what the the point I was trying to make last week and just in just saying that like I think if there's something if it's a project that you as a worker are invested in you're probably happy to get this crunch in because you want to see your work pay off you want to see the project finish like this isn't again this isn't like you know this isn't like like generic retail work where you just like scan groceries at a cash register over and over again. And someone's like, yeah, I need you to work the next six Saturdays in a row, even though you're, you're normally off Saturdays and you're just going to be scanning groceries and swiping credit cards for ungrateful shoppers. Like this is not that this is people like, Hey, this is like a project I'm working on. This is my work. This is my creation. I want to finish it. I want to finish it strong. I want to get it out the door on time. I want it to be a, a, a complete and fully realized product. So Whatever, night and day, I mean, just just completely, I, I find that story to be completely tone deaf and completely oblivious to what the real world is actually like when you take into consideration what these people have on the line making these projects and, and the money that they have coming their way as a result of the work. But nonetheless, we'll read one more anecdote. OG Man says, the CD Projekt Red crunch topic is ridiculous. People on Reddit absolutely outraged that people are being asked to work an extra day a week until the game drops. I work 612s for shit pay, uh, but this is how the world works. I feel everyone who has the outlook that this is just wrong have never worked a day in their life or are privileged enough to not to work very hard in general. If you want a roof over your, your head, you work. If your boss says, hey, we have to get this task done before said date or we're going to need to put in some extra time to get this done unless you just want uh, that, unless you just don't want that job anymore, that's what you do. It's not always fun. It's not always what you want to do. 
but it's temporary. You get paid for it. And at the end of the day, you want to be able to take pride in your work and not half-ass it. So this is a little more of a, uh, <laughs> a little more, a little different of a take from Count Scatula where you have a little more of like a, it is what it is mentality about it. Maybe a little less inspiring and exciting, but nonetheless, I think no, or, or no less in my opinion, just a, a, an honest reflection of what the situation is. Sometimes that's just that's just life. You know, there are bigger things going on in the world. There are people <laughs> getting bombed to death by governments that have no business being in their country. There, are, you know, there, there are people, you know, just dying on the streets because we have, you know, homeless issues that we refuse to address. There are far bigger things going on in the world. I think maybe we should focus our efforts on like sex trafficking rather than really well compensated game developers who are being asked to work a couple extra shifts so they can make six-figure salaries I just I don't know it just seems a uh, very just it falls on very deaf ears when when you're someone who works an average job when you're like a average middle-class hard-working person who who earns your own income and pays your bills and supports yourself or maybe a family and and you think about you know the work you put in to live a decent life and you compare that to the work these developers put in to you know, get to do the job of a lifetime and, and, and get to make a project as exciting as Cyberpunk, you know, for CD Projekt Red, to get to make a game from the team that made The Witcher 3, you think, oh, well, you know, I think, I think I'd think i happily do that crunch, those extra shifts to be a part of that. So I appreciate everyone writing in. I appreciate your perspectives. And with that said, let's uh, wrap up our comments for the week with a couple, couple stories about that Bethesda acquisition with Microsoft. Now, I've been pretty firm these past few weeks that I still think these Bethesda games are coming to PlayStation for the most part. You know, like the next Elder Scrolls, the next Fallout. I'm very confident these are PlayStation games as well as they are Xbox games. But a lot of you seem to really be in opposition to that point, which is totally fine. But I want, I just wanted to read some comments kind of opposing my point of view. As I like having a diverse array of opinions, I think that's very important to represent different opinions and I think that's uh, the truest form of, of diversity is just people with uh, different perspectives. So with that said, we got a first-time writer here, Rizzo Rani, who says, Hey, man, I really enjoy the podcast. It's a fun show, and it sounds like you enjoy it. I do enjoy it. Thank you very much for commenting. You say, I just had to jump in uh, into your comments because I thought you had an awful take on that Xbox Bethesda deal. Listen, I understand your reasoning, but I think you should also have to think, uh, why would they acquire Bethesda? It's not just to make money off other platforms. They want the exclusives for Game Pass. That's where the money is. Allowing PlayStation players to play these upcoming games on the systems doesn't get people subscribed to Game Pass. I think it's all about selling the subscriptions. Anyways, man, I enjoy the show and listen to you every week. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. See, Rizzo Rani, I think, see, I think you make a salient point, but like, the way I see it is like, take what you're saying and then take it the next logical step forward. Think about it like this. If you're if you're someone who's like really participating in the console, not you, but like this hypothetical you, this royal you, I guess. If you are someone who partakes in the console wars and you're on Team Blue, you're on Team Sony, Xbox is awful. Anytime someone says Halo, you throw up in your mouth. You can't imagine someone uh, calling themselves a gamer and never having played The Last of Us Part Two. If you're if you're someone like this and you're gonna buy a PS5 and never think twice about an Xbox Series X or S, you gotta think of it like this. That person is never going to subscribe to Game Pass no matter what. So you can still make money off of them by saying, well, you want Elder Scrolls? Fuck it, we'll bring it to PlayStation. You can either get a hell of a deal by subscribing to Game Pass and playing it on a, a PC or an Xbox, or 
You can just shoot yourself in the foot and say, I don't really respect my hard-earned cash. I'll give you $70 for this game on PlayStation. Because on PlayStation, that's your only option, is to buy the game brand new, 70 bucks in the packaging, resell it to GameStop for $4.37. Fuck you. Like, that's, that's your option if you're a PlayStation player and you want to play this. And you think, well, why do they even have to do that at all? Well, it's because, listen, man... Xbox comes off as a real dick company and a real dick brand. If they're like, yeah, remember those Elder Scrolls and Fallout games and all this shit you've been playing, these Wolfenstein games and all this crap you've been playing for years on PlayStation, whether it's PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, whatever. Well, guess what? Now all that shit's on Xbox and you can go fuck yourself. I think a lot of people are going to look at that as, wow, Xbox just came in big dick swinging because they have all this money. They bought up all the games that PlayStation players enjoy because they couldn't come up with their own studios, with their own original games. They just had to buy the good shit so Sony people couldn't have it. And that's how they got their exclusives. And I think, I'm telling you, that's that's the, that's the perspective, that's the argument you're going to start to see, is Xbox couldn't come up with their own good shit, so they just had to buy stuff so PlayStation couldn't have it anymore, so they kind of had some weird workaround to get their exclusive content, and I, I don't think Xbox is so laser-focused on that kind of bullshit console war argument, but I think there's kind of a point to be made there where it's like, listen, you don't come in and buy these these big brands and then just take it away from people and be like, yeah, we're making gaming more accessible to everyone, everywhere they want to play. It's like, that's just a very at odds kind of marketing message. And I understand some of you wrote in and said, listen, Jesse, what Phil Spencer means by play games anywhere you want is you got Xbox, you got computer, you got xCloud, you got the adaptive controller, so different you know, people of different abilities can play it. So it really is opening the door up to everyone. You just got to play in Microsoft's ecosystem. But again, I'm, I, I'm telling you, when you make a purchase of $7.5 billion for Bethesda, you want your fucking money back. So you're going to find those people like Mr. Joe Schmo, who's like, yeah, I hate myself so much. I'm willing to give Bethesda and Xbox $70 for Elder Scrolls 9 Skyrim 4 edition. Uh, but I'm not willing to pay $15 for a month so I can just subscribe to Xbox Game Pass and play it, you know, for next to nothing along with a billion other amazing games. You know, that kind of person is a lost customer. So you might as well just make money off them anyway and justify your $7.5 billion that way. And, and again, all you're doing is strengthening your brand. If someone goes, why would I spend $70 for the new Fallout game when it's just free on Xbox PC and cloud gaming, right? Microsoft goes, yeah, why would you just subscribe to our service? So I think in that way, it's kind of like politely, politely, politely twisting the arm of the consumer anyway by saying like, yeah, if you want to be an idiot and spend $70 on this game, you can, but here's Game Pass. It's your decision whether or not you want it or not. I think that's a really good way to be like, to make these games exclusive while not making them exclusive, if that makes sense, right? Like, again, it's like, why? How is a Bethesda game exclusive to Xbox if it's on PlayStation? Well, because only on Xbox do you have Game Pass. Only on Xbox is everything just there, free, day and date, whatever. It's yours because Xbox. On PlayStation, you can still get it. We're not going to take that away from you, but you can just be an idiot and pay, and pay 70 bucks. To me, that's the next natural evolution in that train of thought that you presented here, and that's why I'm a firm believer of that. I, I just think optically, Xbox doesn't want the headache of you took these games away from us on PlayStation and two, it's a way for them to make money and still kind of have the exclusivity of these brands. Now, again, we, we made the, the example of like a game like Nazi slut or like, you know, a new, a new game that doesn't have a precedent for any specific platform. Fair enough. I think Microsoft would consider making those games exclusive to Xbox. Again, I just don't think you're going to see all of a sudden franchises like Skyrim 
and Fallout are just no longer available on PlayStation. It's it's too much money left on the table. It's 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 such a like a dick move after just like years and years of PlayStation consumers having access to these franchises. This is just my take. Listen, guys, I'm not an industry insider. This is an Xbox podcast where I talk about my views and opinions. I could be dead wrong, you know. Maybe here we are in a year, and maybe there's an E3 next year. Maybe maybe coronavirus goes and fucks itself, and then there's an amazing E3 showcase, and Phil Spencer's like, "Sony, Sony," and he yells really loud from the the Microsoft Studio or Stadium or whatever in in, in Los Angeles. And he goes, "Sony," and he yells so loud that Sony can hear him all the way back in Japan. They're like, "What the fuck do you want?" And he's just like. Fuck you guys. All of Bethesda's games are on Xbox only. You can suck a big dick. And maybe he says that. And then all the Xbox fans cheer wildly and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're drinking Mountain Dew and it's a great time. And then I'm sitting here like on the next podcast like, okay, so I look like a fucking idiot. That's that's entirely possible, man. I don't know. This is just my hunch. This is just me studying how Microsoft makes decisions, you know, over the years and years I've been following this stuff as a, as an outsider looking in. This is just my intuition. This is just my conjecture. This is just me reading a bunch of shit and having read a bunch of shit for years and being like, based on what I've seen and what I know, this is what I think Xbox is happening. That's all the show is. Like, I'm not, I don't work for a news outlet. I don't have inside sources. I don't know a fucking person who works at Xbox. But I don't know. I could be wrong about absolutely everything I'm saying. Maybe the Xbox Series X isn't even a console. Maybe it's just a fucking... Maybe it really is a refrigerator. And then we can actually merge the idea of Mountain Dew and Xbox really together. We can fully realize this. Because I don't, I don't fucking know anything I'm talking about. But again, this is what I think. I could be very well wrong. But uh, especially now that I have so many of you disagreeing with me and opposing me, I feel, I feel the need to double down and uh, really, really stick to my guns on this one. Because what if you guys are all right and... Everything really is exclusive to Xbox, and and I'm just totally wrong and off-base about all these things. Well, guess what? That's awesome. You guys are allowed to be right, and I'm allowed to be wrong. That's totally fine. But what if I'm right because I doubled down and I was just a stingy, stubborn ass about this, and then all of you guys are wrong? Then you're going to look so fucking stupid, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. Lethal Migraine, you come in. you got a long one here, uh, but I, I'm just going to read some of it because... I'll just skim through it real quick because we're, we're running low on time here for comments. You say, Jesse, bottom line, Xbox owns ZeniMax. Xbox gets ZeniMax. If you want to play ZeniMax games, buy an Xbox. The Series X is only 300 bucks. You can't put that... <laughs> you can't put together 300 for a console. You can't afford to play video games at all. <laughs> video games is a hobby, very expensive hobby. This is just a little bit of a... <laughs> A little rabbit hole. You say, Sony is not Xbox's competition. Hell, Sony will have uh, some luck to even survive as a company at all uh, throughout this next gen. As Jim, I've never tell the truth. Ryan is doing a great job of killing the company. Microsoft and Xbox's competitors are Google and Amazon in the cloud gaming space. Console marketing is market is flat and it's not growing. It'll likely never grow again. Microsoft is looking at big picture and planning for the future and owning a cloud gaming space before Amazon and Google and Tencent can make large impact is exactly what Zenimax deal was for. Console sales don't matter. So let me just say, you're absolutely right. And I think this also lends more credence to my argument because two, two reasons. First of all, yes, Microsoft, Phil Spencer himself has said Microsoft isn't really too much concerned about like the Nintendo Sony competitors. They're more concerned about the Amazon Google competitors. And that's a great point because at the end of the day, if you, if you, if you stop looking at it as Xbox versus PlayStation and start looking at it as Microsoft versus Sony, 
there's no competition to be had just in terms of like winning the market. Because at the end of the day, Microsoft can buy their way into whatever the fuck they want to do because they got that kind of money. Sony doesn't have that kind of money. PlayStation is a large percentage of Sony's, uh, you know, revenue, and without it, they'd be fucked. So that's a great point. And yes, we know Amazon and Google are getting very serious about this. We now I keep forgetting the name of it. Uh, I think it's Luna is the is the cloud streaming thing that Amazon finally revealed. It's their kind of Google Stadia Project X Cloud competitor. And Google Stadia, as we know, has been a total fucking failure that will likely just get abandoned like everything Google does. That isn't Google, the search engine, or Android, the phone operating system. So I don't fucking know about this, guys. I think Xbox is being extremely wise to jump on this, like, cloud gaming and and getting in front of this before the likes of Google or Amazon can ever you know, get their feet off the ground with the, with these, with these services. I think Xbox is being super smart about it because Xbox as a brand already has a very, you know, very much a strong place in the market and Microsoft in gaming already has a strong, you know, place in the market. So they have that head start, and I think it's super smart for them to be preemptively beating Amazon and Google with this shit. But again, the thing is if Google and Amazon want to take this to the nth degree, they can be Microsoft's worst fucking nightmare when it comes to when it comes to gaming and cl- cloud gaming and things like this but also especially you know one thing actually I'll be fair one thing that Amazon Google and Microsoft all have in common is that all three of them have a crazy track record of just being like we're going to throw a bunch of money at this new effort and then if it doesn't take off we'll just fucking let it die and Google's done that a million times Microsoft's done that a million times Amazon's done that remember Amazon had a phone once Amazon tried to make a Kindle phone if anyone remembers this, they made an Amazon Fire Kindle phone or whatever. They made their own operating system. Microsoft tried to make their own phone that failed. Microsoft's done a million things that have failed. You know, Microsoft kills everything. Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Mixer. Uh, and Google just kills everything. They tried to have a Facebook competitor. Uh, they they tried to they tried to not suck. They just Google's just full of ways to just kill off every idea they've ever had. So. That's one thing all three of these companies have in common. And and because Xbox has been such a successful brand and Microsoft's already excelling so much at getting ahead of all this cloud gaming stuff, I think Xbox is definitely positioned to succeed in this space. I think Google has already failed with Stadia and now they could try to, you know, correct the course and, and, and double down these things. But knowing Google, I wouldn't be surprised if they just pull the plug on Stadia within a year. And then Amazon, you know, it can go either way. Amazon loves investing money in shit. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So there, there's a there, the difference. So while while Amazon and Google win because they have money, uh, Sony wins because they already have a place in the market. And so that's something that you know Sony already has. So I, I don't think PlayStation's going anywhere anytime in the next you know five ten years. I think PlayStation's here to stay for the for the immediate future. I think long run, you're totally right. That, that the issue is, you know, versus Amazon, Google. But if it is true that PlayStation, you know, isn't long for this world or that Sony is completely fucked once Amazon and Google start getting more aggressive about cloud gaming, then doesn't that give Microsoft all the more reason to just be like, sure, we'll put our games on PlayStation because we'll make money off of it today. And then when PlayStation is a gone and lost brand in five, 10 years because Sony can't keep up, then we'll say, See ya, fuckers. At least we made money off of you while you were around. So again, that just gives Xbox and Microsoft more reason to just put these games on PlayStation because, again, what do you care what the optics are from the gamer's perspective today if this competitor isn't even a threat to begin with and if this competitor might not even survive to see tomorrow? 
So I think that that's a great reason for them to piggyback off their their current success and make money off that now, knowing that this isn't a, a threat to them in the long run. So I don't know. I think if anything, you just kind of strengthen my point as to why they would take PlayStation serious for the for, for the immediate future. But nonetheless, we've really gone on way too long with these uh, with these comments. So I, you know, Tanali Maya wrote a miscellaneous comment that I'm just going to run through real quick because Tanali likes having his lengthy comments, and if you don't read them, he gets a little grumpy, and I don't want to upset the the baby. So we're gonna we're just gonna breeze through this one real quick. We got once upon a time in social media space far far away lived a man, but a quarter century old who possessed an innate ability to inspire vicinity in others and in turn make them feel young again. For much like the lordless men of old English poetry who scoured the earth looking for a leader to give their aimless lives some meaning, boomers searched every YouTube channel to find a king to help uh, shape their perspectives. And we found him, or so we thought. At first, Jesse DeRosa was a young, fast-talking ball of energy who battled an excited stutter at every phrase because his fever for all things Xbox. We loved him for that. We loved him for... We loved him before he could tell us what he was playing. He had to tell us what he was eating. Even for those two weeks when all he consumed was crusty leftover pizza at work. <laughs> you remembered. Uh, but the strain of 2020 has overcome our leader who riddled with an arthritic pain uh, now wears a travel pillow around his neck only to <laughs> only to wax poetic about 20-year-old soda products and dated Sonic the Hedgehog titles. Our once vibrant and enthusiastic leader can now only muster the energy to complain about everything under the sun like some old curmudgeon. Sure, the enamel of his teeth are evergreen and pristine, and his hair border on immaculate. But what good does that bring us when our king has neglected his attitude to become one of a common bellyacher? Farewell, young king with old man's rage. We bid you adieu. Prince with an old queen's disdain, we thank you for the service and hope to remember you fondly someday. If, uh, Tanali, if this is your resignation from the Xbox On community, I would like to say that's, uh, that's a damn good one. And, uh, I'm sorry that I failed you, uh, but also I don't, I don't really know what you're talking about. Some, you know, I'm a human. Sometimes I have weeks where maybe I come off a little more negative than others, but I'm just going to choose to focus on the part where you complimented my hair and teeth because, I can't possibly live up to this expectation you set to me, but but I do like the idea of me being your prince or your leader or whatever in this in this in, in this environment uh, where where boomers struggle to find uh, young voices that that represent their perspectives and ideals and and uh, and sensibilities in re- in regards to video games or, or whatever it is you're looking for. And uh, I'd just like to say thank you for participating. If this is where we have to part ways, I'd I'd like to say uh, y- you know. Feel free to DM me, and I'll send you your complimentary. I listened to Xbox on for seventy episodes, and all I got was a twenty-year-old bottle of Mountain Dew uh, care package. And uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for all of our comments this week. So thank you all for writing in. Remember, next week, be sure to share your top five favorite Xbox One games of the generation, uh, console exclusives in particular. If you'd like to in- in partake in that. Uh, that segment as we get into it whenever we can. And that's going to do it for all of our comments and whatnot. So as for always, remember, don't be shy, reply. But now we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what I've been playing. And as usual, before I can tell you what I've been playing, I must tell you all about what I've been eating. And so this week, I did a little bit of a a tease. I said, hey, I'm going to trick the audience. I'm going to, I'm going to, to those who follow me on Twitter, I'm going to post what I've been eating in picture format, so they can get a sneak peek of the episode before it even before it's even recorded. And uh, yeah, I posted a picture of this uh, this nice burger I had at at Walt Disney World at Disney's Magic Kingdom theme park. So yeah, this past weekend I um 
On Saturday, I went to Disney's Magic Kingdom for a, for a morning of fun and in camaraderie. I decided, you know, I wanted to escape back and, and recede back into being a 12-year-old boy and forget about uh, bills and the fact that everyone is dying of a pandemic and that uh, we it all seems lost and, we're, and everything's hopeless. And I thought, oh, let me go ride that roller coaster that shoots you into outer space a couple times. That'll make me feel better. So I went over to Disney's Magic Kingdom theme park. They've got the whole place decked out in uh, Halloween theming and, and, and accessories and things like that. Uh, so I came to take that in and, and look around and just enjoy the sights and to try some festive Halloween treats. I, I went to Joffrey's, which is a wonderful local coffee company uh, from here in Tampa, not here, but from Tampa, Tampa, Florida, Central Florida, but they are the official coffee partner of the Walt Disney Company. So uh, at Disney World, you can get Joffrey's coffee throughout the parks. And uh, so they, they're doing this uh, pumpkin latte for the fall season at, over at the Joffrey's coffee stand. So I decided to get one of those. I had a nice coffee, uh, a nice uh, a coffee latte, cafe latte, as Kramer from Seinfeld may have put it. And it was uh, it was it was wonderful. I just sat there. I, I read my book on my Surface Duo. I people watched. I just enjoyed the atmosphere of the park and I drank my coffee and it was wonderful. And then I, I jumped on a couple of rounds of Space Mountain, my favorite roller coaster of all time. And then uh, I decided to try a Halloween, limited edition Halloween era, whatever treat. I don't really know how this is a Halloween themed thing, but Disney, at Magic Kingdom, this is a little too much insider information you probably don't care about, but there's there's a, a burger restaurant at Disney called uh, Cosmic Rays and is my favorite fast food burger place in the whole history of the world. Are they the best burgers ever? No, but do I love them? Yes. And I love this restaurant. I may have brought it up before on the show, but all I'm trying to say is they have a special for the month of October. They're having a special uh, Halloween season burger. It's called Mickey's Monster Mash Burger. Uh, I think it's called Mickey's Monster Monster. That type of cheese, that like salty cheese that's like M-U-E-N-S-T-E-R or whatever. It's that goddamn French name, but it's, you know, it's cute play on the name there. It's supposed to be like Mickey's Halloween burger or whatever. The gimmick is, you know, it's a burger patty. It's got lettuce, tomato, onion, all that shit, but they put that Monster Monster cheese. I, I always forget how to, I, I failed, I fail on the pronunciation. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, they put that cheese on there and then they put this sriracha aioli sauce on there and then they put tater tots on there and they put bacon on there and they slap a bun on it. That's like, that's like branded with the Mickey mouse face on it. So it's like all cute and themed, but it's supposed to be like all gooey and monstery. It's a, it's a really lame attempt at a Halloween item. There's nothing about it that really evokes the Halloween spirit whatsoever. Uh, but that's not what's important here because what is important is that it is delicious. It is a wonderful burger. It takes uh, the otherwise pretty regular stale theme park Disney burger and really spices it up. That sriracha aioli, those uh, tater tots and that bacon all on top of the burger with that like salty kind of gooey cheese. It's just really excellent combination. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of that burger. I, I posted some pictures of it on Twitter, as I mentioned, and uh, I just wanted to share that with all of you guys. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but this is a burger. It's available for a limited time at Disney's Magic Kingdom theme park. I ate it, and it was delicious. So that's what I've been eating, but if, you, if you're if you listening to this podcast because you're part of that 25% that cares about Xbox and not food and, and drink, um, then let me tell you what I've been playing. And I've been on a, as I alluded to at the top of the show, I've been on a big kick here for like Halloween stuff. I'm trying to play Halloween games. I'm trying to get in the spirit. I told you guys I played that Man of Madon last the other week, and that was really good. And and I had this weird like urge to like 
go on Minecraft and be like, let's see if there's like user created content that's Halloween themed. And I forgot that I bought the Halloween mashup pack in Minecraft like a year or two ago. And so I was like, oh, let me play that. And so I played that and that was really cool. And I was like, you know, Minecraft is a game I almost never played because I have no desire to be creative and build shit. But I always forget that Minecraft's like a game where like other people make shit and you can explore their content. So I was like, let me do some of that. And then I fell down this rabbit hole of of like just playing Minecraft like a fucking five-year-old. And I played so much of it. And I got I found this like this like role-playing server where like you're like a kid in high school and Minecraft and I was taking classes and I was I was doing dungeon crawls and I was learning like shop class and I was I did a driver's ed class and I did a fucking farming class. I was I was there in Minecraft. I have a persona in Minecraft that is currently enrolled in high school. I'm doing it all over again, you guys. I'm gonna it's 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 crazy. I'm I'm here, I'm in high school, I'm I'm retrying everything, I'm getting involved in the extracurriculars I wish I had partaken in back when I was in actual high school. I'm uh I'm getting my grades up. I'm learning how to drive. I think the girls are into me. There's a girl I have a crush on. We're going to see how that goes. It's just a, it's really cool kind of re rediscovering myself and, and having another swing at high school and the high school experience. So that's something that's happening right now in the world of Minecraft. But more important than that, I, uh, I got really into like looking for Halloween related content on, on, um, on Minecraft. And so there's this, uh, there's this like Halloween pack that came out a year or two ago made by a, made by this company called Everbloom Games who makes like games in Minecraft and they had this uh, Halloween game called called Haunted Park which is like you know I downloaded this expecting to be like oh this will be 30 minutes of, of amusement but guys I gotta be honest Haunted Park is like the coolest thing it's like it's like the story content in Minecraft there's voice acting in it like you go to this this whole theme park that they built out that's all like Halloween themed and there's this this guy who runs the park and he gives you these instructions and there's these five unique attractions there's one that's like a dark ride and it's like this like smiler like twisted like fucked up mental psychotic patient and there's like this hayride that's like a haunted hayride and then there's this one where you go down to the mines and like shoot the zombies and there's this one that's like a haunted core maze where you have to find all of these 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 uh globes or spheres or whatever before like the slenderman looking fucker can catch you and kill you and then there's like the haunted mansion or then there's like the haunted house attraction which is the main attraction which is like an actual haunted house they built in minecraft and it's so fucking cool and like just all the detail and the theming the world building in this is really impressive and like i said there's voice acting in every attraction and they've kind of connected the attractions together where there's like a there's like an overarching story that ties in the whole universe they built here really really cool stuff if you're interested in checking out it's called the haunted park I believe it, it's like five bucks to download off the Minecraft marketplace or whatever. Um, but if you're looking for something to get some like fun, like light spirited Halloween, you know, themed shit into your life, I highly recommend this. It's very much worth the five or six bucks. And it was a, uh, a great use of three hours. I spent like three hours really exploring the hell out of this, uh, this DLC pack or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So I've been playing that. Uh, I played a little bit of Minecraft Dungeons while I was at it because I just kind of got in the Minecraft mood. Uh, I've been meaning to mention this. I keep forgetting to say I've been playing on my Switch. I know this isn't an Xbox, but I've been playing my Switch a little bit on the side here. I got that Mario 3D collection that I was bitching about. I, I downloaded it because Mario Galaxy is just my favorite game of all time. So I got to replay that shit. So I've been working my way through Mario Galaxy again. I stand by it. That's still my favorite game of all time. Just... Man, like, the music in that game is incredible. The visuals are so beautiful. Like, what a... Mario Galaxy is just such a special game. And if you've never played it, you... Like, come on, man. Like, it's just a... 
I, you don't need to buy a Switch for it. You can go buy a Wii and play it. I don't care how you play it. But Mario Galaxy is an experience that every gamer deserves to have. It's just such a special game. And I stand by it all these years later. It's really just one of my absolute favorite games, even 13 years later. Uh, just so, so good. Um, so I've been playing through that. And then I'm, I'm excited to get into Sunshine a little bit whenever I'm done with Galaxy. Uh, and then lastly, you would say the best for last... I've been playing some Doom Eternal now that it's on Game Pass. I said it back when the game first came out. This is either going to be a $20 game by the holidays or it's going to Game Pass. So I'm going to wait on it. And I'm glad I did because guess what? Microsoft was like, yeah, I'll buy that and put it on Game Pass immediately. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I waited because Doom Eternal is uh, on Game Pass and that's how I'm playing it. And I didn't have to spend money. Now, Doom Eternal, here are my first thoughts. I'm only like three levels in. But right off the bat, I will say this. Doom Eternal, somehow, despite not looking that different from, from like, just trailers and stuff, is, like, night and day different from 2016 Doom. I cannot believe how different it feels, despite, you know, relatively looking the same. But, man, the game is so different. They overhaul, they add just so much more shit into it that should be extremely overwhelming and confusing, but somehow it's just so fluid and fits so well. The the action feels so, so good. The levels are so cool that... The death animations are awesome. The weapons are awesome. I'm really loving Doom Eternal. I'm really loving the added like traversability of it all and just all the new mechanics and features that are added into the game. It's a, it's a I'm having a very good time with it. Um, now for I'm having a similar thing with this game that I had with Doom 2016, where I, I can only play it in like chunks. I find I find the levels to be just a little bit too long. Like I, I wish the levels were like 20 minutes each. I feel like sometimes they're like 30 to 40 minutes, and I just uh, I wish they were just a little bit shorter. But the game is a lot of fun, and I have no real gripes or complaints with it so far. It's definitely grueling hard, so I just bumped it down to the easiest difficulty because I don't even want to fuck with it or master the game. So I'm just playing through it, enjoying it kind of more casually on the easiest difficulty, but I'm having a great time with it. It's a perfect Halloween game, and uh, honestly, there's something about it where I feel like more so than Doom 2016, I feel like Doom Eternal really fully captures that feeling of like playing Doom 2 back in the day. Like when I feel when I play Doom Eternal, even though the game looks and runs and just is like a really next gen looking, you know, experience, it also just like feels equally like playing Doom 2 like back in the day. So it's uh it's really cool in that way that it's just like so different, so advanced and so evolved from Doom while also just being Doom at at its core. So I'm really enjoying that game, and I uh, I will definitely be finishing that one up in the coming weeks. But yeah, it's, it's such a great, bloody, gruesome, violent, action-packed game. Uh, so with that said, let's jump into some news, guys. We're done with all the top of the show stuff. We're an hour and thirteen minutes in. I think it's I think we've earned ourselves the ability to get through this slow news week, and uh, it is a very slow one. So it will be pretty quick. But with that said, uh, we'll, we'll jump into our first story here. So our first one comes from Windows Central, and it says, ZeniMax Online Studios is best known for developing the ongoing MMORPG, The Elder Scrolls Online. While the expansion, while this expansion is continuing to grow with expansions like Greymore, uh, ZeniMax Online Studios is also working on a new engine and a new AAA IP. In an interview with official Xbox Magazine, uh, as spotted by Extra Life, Matt Firer, game director of The Elder Scrolls Online, confirmed that, that the studio is working 
on a new engine and a new project saying, yeah, not a lot of people have picked up on this, but if you look at our job site, you'll see that we are accepting applications for people to work on a new engine for a new AAA game. So yes, we have ideas, but we're not committed to ESO for it for as long as it takes, but we're committed to ESO for as long as it takes End quote. Alex Tardif, lead graphics engineer at ZeniMax Online Studios, recently said on Twitter that, quote, not much to say about this project yet, um, but it's been so much fun creating a brand new engine. With how rare these kinds of things are nowadays, I feel fortunate uh, to be at this studio while we invest heavily in our own technology, end quote. So this is, first things first, this is obviously something that's very early in development, so don't expect any kinds of announcements any soon or anytime soon. But this is uh, this is exciting just for the, the sake of ZeniMax Online Studios. Now, this is a very successful studio. Elder Scrolls Online is a very successful platform. Um, but it's also one of those things where it feels like it's just for such a specific niche audience that this is a studio that's kind of hard to get excited about. So the prospect of them working on a new IP and calling it AAA and working on a new engine to support this IP is quite tantalizing because maybe this this leads cre- lends credence to them possibly working on something that will be a little more for general audiences or will be a little more for everyone, in, in, you know, just in the sense that not everyone's looking for an MMO Elder Scrolls game, but... If you make something that's like a single-player, story-driven something game, yeah, that, that could draw a lot of eyes. So it, it's hard to think what they could be working on because if you think new engine, okay, so they've got to be working towards something that's not just another MMO, um, but it's like this is the team that makes MMOs, so what would they be working on? Clearly or surely it's not something like what Bethesda Game Studios works on. They're not making you know just another Fallout or Elder Scrolls game. So it's it's hard to think you know a, game, a studio like this what could they be needing a new engine for? What could they be pivoting to make? My assumption is they're they're getting into something kind of totally out of left field, something totally different uh, from what we've seen from them. Because if they need new engine technology to make this project run, whatever it may be, I mean, they, they must have very specific ideas in mind for whatever the kind of project they're going to be working on is. Especially considering that if you're part of the Zenimax family, you already have access to you know pretty great engine technology, especially when you're uh, when you're neighbors with uh, ID or when you're in the same family as ID, I should say. So this is one of those ones that's hard to get like pumped about because it's like clearly all they're saying here is like, yeah, we're working on something. See you in a billion years when we have something more to say about it. So it's uh, like you know it's it's exciting to know that there's something on the horizon, and I'm I'll keep a keen eye out on this, but I'm just. I just, yeah, I just don't know what really to add to the story at this point where this is clearly kind of a premature announcement. This is more of a, hey, we need people to come work at the studio. Do you know someone who who's looking for a job and who's qualified to work here? And less of like, a, hey, fans of the studio, just want to let you know we're working on this specific new project. So I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about what's to come here. But at the same time, there's really... There's really nothing to read between the lines and see here, but hopefully this is um, this is something from the Zenimax brand or canopy of studios that's going to be quite different. Because you think about it, they they already you know everything Zenimax owns already kind of caters to a lot of specific genres. So they they do a lot of first person, they do a lot of first person open world stuff, they do a lot of questing and RPG stuff. So surely if they're working on new engine technology, they're they're probably getting outside that specific Bethesda related box. Uh, so I'm really curious to see what it is uh, they're working on. Maybe this is like a guerrilla games example of like them going from making first person shooters like Killzone to making like third person open world games like horizon zero dawn. So maybe they're going to go from making 
this uh, MMORPG in the Elder Scrolls universe to making like a fucking arcade racer. Who fucking knows? But definitely be interested to see what that is as we as we learn more. And then our wrap-up story. Yep, we're already at the wrap-up. It's a very slow news week before we get to our tidbit stories. Is uh, a couple quotes from Phil Spencer. So the first the first one comes from IGN where it says Xbox boss Phil Spencer has said he isn't sure if AK resolution will ever be standard for video games, calling it an aspirational technology. Talking to Wired, Spencer said, quote, I think AK is an aspirational technology. The display capabilities of the devices are not re- really there yet. I think we're years away from AK being, if it's ever is, standard in video games, end quote. Spencer's comments come despite the Xbox Series X being able to support AK output. However, while it may technically be able to push video at the resolution of 7680 by 4320, there are more factors to, to consider, chiefly being if anyone has, even has an AK television or a monitor to view visuals on. Uh, according to Wired's chat with Liz Harn, ha- or Hamron, uh, head of gaming engineering at Xbox, Microsoft's data suggests that 4K TV adoption is less than what publishers may think. And so that suggests 8K adoption is still years away at the very least. So that's the first one there. And I saw some people kind of like shitting on this, like, oh, Xbox doesn't plan on continuing to be the most powerful console brand out there if they're not taking 8K seriously. This is one of those weird things that this this conversation even came up because, you know, this is what I've been saying about Xbox Series S and the whole 4K argument, which is that it seems like gamers and tech enthusiasts are really laser focused on this like false narrative that like everyone has a 4K TV and that 4K TVs are just ubiquitous the way that like just regular HD TVs are and it's that's just that's simply not the case. Like 4K adoption just hasn't taken the world by storm and while yes, the majority of TVs on sale today are 4K TVs because it's just the new standard, you're not seeing people flock out in in upgrade to 4K in mass like herds the way people move from like tubes, tube TVs to like a flat screen HD TV or whatever. So it's just a different world we live in. And I think what we're seeing here is that 1080p HD is really good and it still holds up really well. And people look at a 1080p HD TV in their home. They think, wow, my TV looks really good. And then they go to a a fucking Best Buy or a Target and they look at uh, a 4k TV and they go, wow, this looks better than my TV at home but not so much better to the point where like, I feel like I'm really missing out on the experience. And I think, you know, that's how enthusiasts might feel about it. That's how gamers might feel about it. You know, that's how like, I don't know, like the, the biggest like diehard sports fans that just have to have the best TV for their football games might feel about it. I don't, I don't know, but that's just not really the case here. This is why Microsoft is able to sell a next gen console that that's defocused on 4k and and still focuses on delivering the next gen experience in every other aspect is because there are just so many people that who either a don't have a 4k tv or b just don't give a shit about 4k gaming and so it's easy to say well you still want the more power and the higher frame rates and the faster load times and all that shit yeah we'll sell you a next gen console that doesn't that's significantly cheaper because we're not focused on resolution Because, again, we're at that point where it's like, it's a diminishing returns thing, where it's like, you know, we had to jump from, like, old shitty tube TVs, like, 480p to 720p to 1080p, because TVs looked like shit, and we had to get to a point where they were, like, acceptable, and I think the TV market has matured to the point where it's like, okay, I think we can all agree that 1080p is a pretty great resolution, right? Like, yes, there are better resolutions, but this is a pretty great standard resolution, I think. 
most people can get on board with having this kind of resolution available for their their viewing pleasure. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was like, okay, I need to upgrade from this because what I have now sucks. So I think this is just kind of the 4K, 8K thing is just fallen victim to that whole conversation of like, now that the market for this item has matured, we no longer see, you know, the mass, like the masses like flocking to upgrade, kind of like with smartphones where it's like, you know, now that smartphones are are a 10 plus year old thing or like the uh, the iPhone era of smartphone and beyond is, is a 10 plus year old concept now. So we see people feeling less pressure to upgrade their phone every one or two years and going, yeah, I can do it every three to five years because, you know, my iPhone from 2017 is still pretty great. So I can hang on to it for another year or two before I really need to get another iPhone. And I think that's what we're seeing in the TV market as well, which is like, yeah, that Samsung 1080p TV I bought in 2013 is still pretty damn great. So I guess I'll get a 4K TV whenever I'm in the market for a TV again, but I'm not going to like jump the gun and force myself to buy one today when I just don't need one. And I, I think that's what we're we're seeing here. So that that's a, that's a lot of preface for, for nothing. But when we're in a situation where 4K isn't even like wildly considered to be like the standard thing that's in everyone's home, how can we start having this conversation about 8K? It's just too far off and too speculative. And when 4K hasn't really lit the world on fire, despite being on the market for many years now, and despite being pretty affordable now, I think it's pretty hard to assume that people are just gonna all within the next three to five years or whatever, just start jumping from 4K to 8K. That's just, again, this is like a diminishing returns kind of thing where it's like fewer people give a shit when you get to this level of fidelity, this level of like nerdiness, see the difference. It's you got to have the latest, greatest thing. So again, to a lot of gamers, this might matter to a lot of tech heads. This might matter, but I think to most, most consumers, this just is a non-issue. And that's why, you know, things like the Xbox series S can exist and why it will be a really great selling consoles because people will be like, yeah, 1080p is just fine. And, you know, we talk about on the show all the time, like, Hey, 60 FPS and fast load times, over 4k any day so and i think you'll see most people are are pretty much in that boat as well so the other interview with phil spencer or whatever not interview but quote from phil spencer this week has to do with cloud streaming on xbox consoles so xbox so xbox or so phil spencer uh engaged with a fan on twitter this week who quote tweeted something from insiders bill gilbert who who was questioning why xbox game pass doesn't stream to consoles and pcs and so his original tweet read i'm writing about game pass and i can't stop thinking about it why doesn't xbox game pass have streaming on consoles and pc so people could use this service to demo games instead of having to download them on their consoles and then uh at vyyy per viper quote tweeted him and was like yo hey at at aaron greenberg at phil spencer any chance this could happen at some point and phil spencer actually re- responded and said uh, actually yes we want to do this it's in the lo- it's in it's in the long line of cool things the xcloud team is working on just a bit further down the list uh, but we want consoles and pc players to be able to browse and easily access games as mobile players do uh, it's a good game pass feature so this is like this reminds me of one of those Elon Musk kind of kind of news stories if for those who maybe follow Tesla where it's like a lot of a lot of Tesla news happens like this too where like Tesla enthusiasts or car owners will just like tweet randomly tweet at Elon Musk and being like wow I really wish my Tesla did this like actually this happened like the past week someone tweeted at him and was like I really wish the map system built into the Tesla touch displays allowed you to add in waypoints so that you can you know kind of you know, add different destinations on your way to your main destination. 
and someone tweeted that at Elon Musk like every fucking day for a week or something like that. And then he finally responded and was like, wow, you guys must really want this feature. And a bunch of people were like, yes. And he's like, okay, we'll throw it on the list. And just historically knowing how Tesla and how Elon Musk like handles this kind of feedback, that's actually exactly how these kinds of things get made and added to the system. And so I, I don't know, this this quote from Phil Spencer reminds me exactly of that because because it's basically him saying like, oh, you guys really care about this feature? Well, good news, it's it's on the way. It's going to come sometime. Like, this wasn't a formal announcement. This wasn't a, an Xbox Wire post or an E3 announcement or anything like that. This is just Phil Spencer being like, yeah, that is a pretty cool feature, and we want that for the same reason. And it's coming. It just It's just on a list of other things that need to get done first. So, again, there's not too much to read into there, but that's an awesome feature that I'm actually really excited to see come to Game Pass when I, or whenever it is that we, we get that. But I really love that idea of like, hey, there's this game that's like 70 gigabytes. I don't know if I really want to move stuff around my hard drive to try it out, but I would like to know if this game is up my alley at all. And then you can just stream it for a little bit and try it out and see if it works for you. And you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I think I'm going to download that. Also, this is just a great option for people who are like, hey, I'm tight on space on my console and... This is a game that like I don't I don't need to have like the most high fidelity experience playing. It'd be pretty cool if I could just stream it because I'm just gonna play the game for a weekend and be done with it anyway. And then they can just stream the game and never have to download it to begin with. There's a lot of great case like use cases for this and applications for this, and I'm I'm a really huge fan of this idea. So it would be uh I, to know that it's coming is really exciting. Yeah, I I love Phil Spencer's way of just being like yeah we're gonna confirm this announcement by just replying to someone's tweet. So props to the uh, Game Pass team or the xCloud team for thinking of this and, and having this on the list. And I guess we'll we'll expect that sometime in the future. So that's really it for our news this week, guys. I'm telling you, it's like, it's like a no news news week. Uh, but of course, we always have our important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not enough to warrant their own discussion. Uh, and so these following little tidbits are pulled and abbreviated from Windows Central. So we'll just fire them off our first one here is that cd project red have announced uh that cyberpunk 2077 has gone gold ahead of its release next month uh which means of course that the disc is finished and can now be produced uh for retail copies of the game and so that they can start shipping it out to retailers and getting it ready for launch the game will of course be out on november 19th next so this past week minecraft had their uh minecraft live event which kind of replaced minecon 2020 uh, and they just announced a shit ton of new Minecraft information. So we got a couple little stories for all you Minecraft fans out there. Our first one is that now we know that uh, Minecraft is expecting a big release for some time, possibly late in 2020, uh, which is their new big cave update. Uh, this has been a, a topic of conversation in the community for a long time apparently now, but, but now that it's officially confirmed and revealed, the Caves and Cliffs update, will be coming out probably later this year and Mo, Mo Yang have confirmed that it will include the following new generation for caves and mountains new mobs archaeology systems bundled items new ores items and more uh, in addition to that during their Microsoft their Minecraft live event they revealed that Minecraft has crossed over 131 million monthly active users and in a press release, they stated that since the start of the pandemic, we've seen an increase of players nearly 90% in multiplayer sessions, and our community has grown to nearly 132 million players each month, which just means Minecraft's just the biggest fucking deal and a perfect excuse for Microsoft to put their Game Pass games on PlayStation. Wait, what? Next, 
Mojang Studios have also revealed that the third expansion DLC for Minecraft Dungeons is on the way. And looks like it's going to add a lot of new content for people to jump back into the game. The third island being added to Minecraft Dungeons will be part of the Howling Peaks DLC. And you can expect to see a huge amount of fresh content injected into the game, including at least three new levels, uh, a new boss to head the expansion. With the expansion, you can also expect to see new mob variants, lots of gear and items, and even new missions to mix up the gameplay and add new challenges to the game. The DLC should be out sometime in December. Lots of DLC for that game in a short amount of time. Next up for Minecraft, with our final two little Minecraft stories here, we got Keeping with Minecraft Dungeons. The developers have also revealed that Minecraft Dungeons will be getting its cross-play support later in the uh, later this year in a free update. That means players across Xbox One, PC, PS4, and Nintendo Switch can all get together on the same dungeon crawling action. Uh, and then finally, for our Minecraft news, Rounding out the uh, the Minecraft Live event during the presentation, director Masahiro Sakurai uh, talked in depth about the Minecraft about what Minecraft Steve and Alex are bringing to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, as it was announced that they are both coming to the game in the near future. So Steve and Alex have several unique abilities, such as different breakable weapons, crafting, and the ability to mine materials and more. The release date for Minecraft Steve and Alex in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is set for October 13th, 2020. So expect to play as your favorite Minecraft character in the world of Super Smash Bros. very soon, in the, in the next week, in fact, which is uh, just more more Microsoft characters coming to Super Smash Bros. And then our final little wrap-ups uh, stories of the week. Two collections featuring Bethesda t- uh, titles like Wolfenstein, Dishonored, and Prey may be getting next-gen enhancements, as spotted by IGN. These new collections have been rated by the ESRB for Xbox Series, referring collectively to the X and S. Both the Wolfenstein listings and Arcane listings only reference the Xbox Series and do not mention any other consoles, alluding to the fact that they may be console-exclusive. The Wolfenstein... Alt History Collection includes Wolfenstein the New Order, Wolfenstein the Old Blood, New Colossus, and Young Blood. The Arcane Anniversary Collection Edition includes Dishonored Definitive Edition, Dishonored 2, Prey, and Dishonored Death of the Outsider. So, if these are to be believed and real, they are coming relatively soon, you would assume. Uh, and they might be Xbox PC exclusive, so maybe Jesse was already wrong. And then finally, Criterion Games is bringing back Need for Speed Hot Pursuit in a big way with a full remaster as announced by EA earlier in the week. Need for Speed Hot Hot Pursuit Remastered will allow players to revisit the game with all new enhanced visuals like higher resolutions, textures and models, better reflections and shadows, and a revamped UI and more. On Xbox One X, expect 4K 30fps, uh, while base current-gen consoles will run at 1080p 30fps. The remastered game will also include all the main DLC from the original, including loads of car packs, extended gameplay, and more than 30 new challenges. Possibly the greatest draw of the game, however, is the fact that full cross-play support will be here across platforms, so players won't be restricted to friends and family with the same console. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered arrives on PC and Xbox One on November 6, 2020 just a few days before our precious Xbox Series X. And that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. Let's quickly jump through. Let's quickly jump through the new game announcements of the week uh, from Xbox Wire. We have 15 new games hidden Xbox storefronts this week, guys. If you want to play something new, something totally popping and jamming, these are the games you're going to want to look for. Our first one here, oh, and it's a good one, guys. It's Ride 4 Special Edition. This is a game where you ride a motorcycle, but the nice thing, as as, as relayed by the screenshot here, is that in this motorcycle game, 
every motorcycle rider rides in an orderly fashion. Uh, if you you may remember when you were young in elementary school or whatever, when you were just a youngling, maybe seven years old, your teacher would line everybody up around the classroom and say, we're going to walk to the library, we're going to walk to the cafeteria, everybody in a single file line, please. Everyone get behind the person in front of you. Uh, we're going to be neat and orderly and count everyone and make sure no one is lost. Well, that's very much how the riders in Ride 4 uh, like to ride. They like to ride in single file lines so that no motorcycle is cutting off another motorcycle or getting in their line of, of ride or ride of their, their direction, their path. So if you're into like not only motorcycles and like cool badass bikes, um, but you're also just into like really following rules and single file orderly lines. I think this is going to be a great line simulator for you. And so definitely want to check that out. It's optimized for Xbox series X and S as well. So that's badass, dude, super, super badass. I'm making a surfer symbol with my hand right now. Ninth dawn three shadow of, of uh, Erthral is our ethereal or earthful is our next game. This is one of those dungeon crawling games with the pixel graphics. It's a great game. If you don't like Minecraft Dungeons, if for whatever reason Minecraft Dungeons isn't doing it for you, this is the game you're going to want to play. But I recommend Minecraft Dungeons because it's very fun. FIFA 21 is our next game. Now, this is a game about uh, life after COVID because all these soccer players are not wearing masks and there are plenty of people in the stands. So I assume that in FIFA, COVID isn't a real thing. COVID isn't a threat because... I see a bunch of, I see thousands of fans in the stadium cheering together. And that's, the game says FIFA 21. So I'm assuming that FIFA knows something we don't know. And that next year things will go back to normal. We won't have to wear masks and we can get all on top of each other again. So cool that we can look forward to that. And I appreciate it, FIFA, for looking into the future and, and figuring that out for us. Also, the game is optimized for next-gen consoles. So that's a pretty cool thing to note. Ministry of Broadcast is our next game. It's a very snowy, six-bit little indie game. Um, but the big thing is, you know, it's not Xbox Series X enhanced. Now, I'm actually interested. It says, Ministry of Broadcast is a narrative-driven cinematic platformer with with a dark hybrid of Orwell's 1984 and the shining glamour of modern reality TV. This is interesting. Though both you and the protagonist will struggle under the way of the dystopian re regime and the subversive tactics dutiful underlings and deadly obstacles i'm am i am i have to check that out next we got nickelodeon kart racers 2 grand prix guys hey arnold versus cat dog who would win a race this is the only way to find out download nickelodeon kart racers 2 uh, arena 86 is our next game this is like uh, among us but in 3d now that one's only xbox one x enhanced not series x enhanced so fuck that game skate master tech techio is next that's a cute little uh little Nintendo Game & Watch looking skateboard game. I uh, actually looks pretty cute. I want to look into that. Next, we got Airy Sky Castle, which is uh, if you ever wanted to play a game where you don't explore a castle in the sky, but rather you play as a bird that's just flying in the sky and goes, oh, fuck, there's a castle up here in the sky. That's This is your game. Play as that bird. And then we got Ikenfall, which, Ikenfall, which is uh, like some kind of... Um, Earthbound knockoff. It's coming to Game Pass. And then you got the Watchmaker, which actually has nothing to do with timepieces that you wear on your wrist. So that's deceiving. Then you got Ben 10 Power Trip. This is uh, Ben 10 when he becomes a toxic male. He gets on a power trip and he starts bossing people around. He realizes the people in his vicinity uh, will give into his every whim because he has the ability to turn into different creatures. And when you use uh, physical threats to get your way, um, that's, that's when you find yourself on a power trip. So. 
Dark Grim uh, Mariupolis, Upolis, whatever. It's an indie game. And then Smart Moves is one of those tactical games. So if you like being really still and being slow at everything in life, that's a good game for you. Street Racer Underground is coming out on October 9th. It wishes it was Need for Speed Underground, but it's just not. And then The Survivalist comes out on October 9th, which is kind of cute looking, but it also reminds me of Pokemon. So no thank you. That's going to do it for all of our new games. You guys, everything's out. Go play them. Stop listening to me. Go play these games. Remember, guys, it is our Halloween season. So we got some games with gold this month, but they're all spooky themed. So Slay Away Camp Butcher's Cut is out now. I tried that the other day. It looks like a little iPhone game, uh, but it's actually kind of fun. It's a fun little puzzle slasher game. It's I highly recommend trying it if you're just looking for some Halloween fun. Uh, Made of Scare is, is on Xbox One uh, from... The October 16th to November 15th. Don't know what that is, but I'll give it a try when it comes out in, in a week or so because I'm trying to play these Halloween games. And then we got Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. It's an OG Xbox game that you can get for the first half of the month. And then the second half of the month, you can get Costume Quest, the OG Xbox 360 arcade game from Double Fine, an Xbox-owned studio. So be sure to check that out. That's, that's my Halloween night game. I'm excited to play that on Halloween. Halloween day. Cannot wait. So that's going to do it for our podcast this week, guys. I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of listening to myself talk. And I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you liked it, give it a thumbs up on YouTube. Rate me five stars. Say very nice things about um, my voice. Say things. Say nice things about uh, the fact that I'm losing my voice from talking too much into a microphone all by myself. Say, uh, say this podcast is worth listening to all the way through the end. Uh, and that maybe the maybe maybe these these uh, 75% of listeners who just give up after the Mountain Dew talk need to follow through the end to find the part where I start giving out all those free Xbox codes for free game downloads and free Game Pass subscriptions. So, I mean, all of you who listen to the very end of the show, you know I give out free shit. So let's just keep that between you and I. But maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe if you want to get some free shit, you listen to the end next time. I don't fucking know. Maybe this is a false promise. I can't, you can't be for sure. Because the fact of the matter is if you're not listening to the end of the show, you don't fucking know what I'm talking about anyway. So Eric's going to play us out with one of his redundant songs since he doesn't write new music apparently anymore. And I would like to leave you all with an uplifting and powerful quote. Uh, I believe this was the great Gandhi who said this. Uh, and it is that uh, power your dreams. <laughs>